I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Well, how good was that? I know it was a friendly, I know it wasn't the real thing, but Scotland were within a couple of minutes and a dodgy decision of beating the Netherlands. A major confidence builder for Stevie Clark and his team ahead of the Euros. 131 times capped. Jen Beattie is with us. How was that for you last night? Enjoy it? Good, yeah, feeling... Ironic, optimistic. Oh my God. (laughs) Scotland's back. I know, exactly. Uh, And it's worrying. Uh, It's 100 days since Neil Lennon left Celtic. Replacing him has turned into a marathon. Eddie Howe was a no. Is Ange Postecoglou going to be a yes? Well, fortunately, we have our Ange Postecoglou correspondent with us, Mm. uh, Craig Moore. Uh, What's the latest? Why Why is he not signed already? Yeah, I know. Well... These contract discussions are, are never easy, uh, but uh, from what I'm led to believe, it's still moving uh, in the right direction. Uh, and like I said, after the, the the disaster, which it was with Eddie Howe and for three months, and uh, that, the next bit of business at Celtic do, you'd like to think would be quick. Um, hopefully for Ange Postacoglu, um, it will be a quick deal and he can be the new Celtic manager. 0808 17 17 700 if you want to join the football chat between now and 7 we have the Arsenal and Scotland defender Jen Beattie with us we have the former Rangers defender Australian football legend that is Craig Moore with us as well and feel free to join the conversation in the course of the show Jen so you're back in Glasgow you've had a bit of back surgery and you're being pampered at home. Is that the official line at the moment? Exactly that. 30, but still being pampered by my parents. Um, no, you're right. Yeah, three and a half weeks post back surgery and up here for about four weeks. So, so are you on schedule because you've of the timing of the surgery? Does that mean you're probably going to be okay for, to, for the start of next season? I hope so, yeah. I think I've not had the best uh, run of play over last year, so it'll probably be about three to four months. So maybe join up with the squad sort of mid-pre-season. So I'll miss the first few weeks. You'd have been watching last night. What did you think? It was great. I think every Scottish fan probably enjoyed watching the game. It, it was weird, weird feeling disappointed with the draw, but I think we fully, fully deserved it. Um, it was good to see some debuts as well. So yeah, really enjoyed it. I think I might need therapy actually because I felt much more comfortable when I was petrified about <laughs> Scotland uh, playing at the Euros. I'm going to be working on it as well, which is a bit of a concern that that I'm going into in that state of mind. But. Um, on the back of last night I really enjoyed last night I felt relaxed watching it I don't normally feel relaxed watching Scotland um, and I'm wondering how to deal with this newfound confidence that I feel going into the Euros I'm beginning to think we might get out of the group Craig You sounded relaxed when I heard you call on the game on the highlights <laughs> uh, uh, No, nah, but I mean look it, it, it's it's preparation uh, for the Euros uh, it's a very very tough game because Holland uh, you know, got some fantastic players um, they keep the ball, uh, so you have to be well organised, well structured, and uh, Scotland were were all of that. And I think the the biggest positive for for Scotland last night was that without uh, seven players, um, you know, so players that maybe 
Clark wouldn't have looked to have started in that particular match, were given those opportunities. And it, for me, if, 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 if I'm a Scottish supporter, I'm thinking I am quite excited about potentially what can happen in the Euros because I've actually shown now that there's real depth to the squad as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's definitely something that you will need uh, in a tournament situation. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, the guys that weren't there last night, Marshall, O'Donnell, Hanley, McGinn, McGinn Adams. I mean, that, those five um, would, could, would, would, could well be in Stevie Clark's strongest team, Jen. No, absolutely. I think, you know, Craig summed it up that it does show how much depth a Scot- the Scotland team does mm. have. And, you know, no qualms that they would have as much confidence going into the tournament after last night's game. And, you know, hopefully Sunday they can get another a good amount of minutes under everyone and um, yeah I think for me watching it, it was it was the excitement of the high press in the first 10 minutes the way they came out the blocks and, mm. and getting that early goal you kind of thought ooh like this is really good so um, hopefully from, from another... a defender as well exactly yeah, what was yeah. yeah. Uh, from a defender it was an unbelievable strike wasn't exactly. it from, from Hendry yeah uh, it was but again it's probably a little bit what Jen's saying that that that, that early pressure but that, that braveness to want to press and try and win the ball high up the field and that's basically what that first goal come from. Mm. Of course, you know what it's like to play at major finals, uh, Jen. I mean, Scotland qualified for the for the Euros in 2017. You were injured and couldn't play, but you did play two years later at the World Cup. What was that like? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's every player's dream to one play for their country, but to 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 do it at a major tournament was yeah one of the best experiences. And, and uh, yes, it didn't end very well, but. To see Scotland do it this time and go to the Euros, you know, I'm 100% will be a fan watching and. You know, it started from that penalty shoot, and it didn't it really? It was just, you know, mm. water buzz watching um, mm. them qualify. So, yeah, really, really looking forward to it. So, last night on the Algarve, it was Netherlands 2, Scotland 2, and this was the gaffer afterwards. Well, we're good. Lots of, lots of really good things out of the game. Uh, disappointing not to win it, to be honest. Don't like talking too much about referees. I've been in trouble for that quite a lot, quite a lot recently. But the, the, the decision to award a free kick at the end was, was embarrassing. But listen, Performance is more important than refereeing decisions tonight, and I thought the performance was good. It was Vitor Ferreira um, who was the ref, Portuguese, um, and I just wonder whether he maybe normally referees for the Red Lion at the week <laughs> at the weekends because uh, he wasn't very good, was he? There, there were some pretty dodgy decisions going on there all through the game, um, and the one that that uh, I mean that was surely never a free kick, was it, Jen? The 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 Jack Hendry's challenge at the end, which allowed the the Dutch to equalise. For me, no, but. You just never, you can't contest these things. You know, the referees are always going to make the decision. You just, as a player, you just have to have to go with what they say. And of course, it was unfortunate to equalise, but for me, you know, never a free kick. And the result, of course, wasn't the the be all and end all. It was it matters not a jot in the in in the in as things go on whether you beat Holland or not. The performance it was absolutely crucial, Craig. Very much so. And um, okay, we're saying that the result's not that important, but. As a, as a football player, um, getting a good mentality of, of not losing football matches. So, you know, winning matches, uh, they'll be disappointed uh, with a, a late draw, but you haven't lost a football match. That in your preparation, for me, is key also leading into a tournament situation. I actually think it's a far better result than maybe what people give it credit for because you've also you've got to look at, I think, 60 minutes, just coming up for 70 minutes, six substitutions also being made, which, um, you know, it changes the game a lot and those international kind of friendlies and to you know that late equaliser which was it was never a free kick but again Hendry will probably there was an early one where similar situation free kick was given 
learnings from that in terms of the type of players that you play against that like to feel you and pin you. Um, you know, referees can give dubious free kicks. Um, you've got to know what you're, you're playing against. But overall, it was, a, it was a huge performance from Scotland. Do you think I should just get over the dodgy free kick? Do you think I should just deal with that? No, no, it was. It was. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you'd rather take a, a dodgy decision, a free kick, uh, and equalise it in a friendly match rather than um, in the Euros themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, Kevin Nisbet scored his first goal for Scotland. Um, it might not have been his first touch coming off the bench, but it was pretty darn close to it. Uh, I think it's what you call immediate impact after 18 goals for Hibs this season. This was Stevie Clark last night on the goals and that goal of Nisbet. I read his press comments through the week and I thought, well, if I put him on, he'll score because he's told me he's going to score. So <laughs> it was nice for Kevin to get that goal and I'm sure he's sure it was a proud moment for him. It was a fantastic goal. Great goal, great break for Stuart Armstrong. Legs from Andy Robertson to get round the outside of Ryan Christie. I think Andy knew he was just about to come off so he, he, could, he could have one of their long busting runs. Quality cross and a good finish for Kevin. Really, really good goal for us. It was a brilliant goal, wasn't it, Jen? It was, yeah. We've seen you know Andy Robertson do that for Liverpool for a few seasons now, and there was um, it was the perfect finish at the back back's post. Um, but no, to to make an impact like that straight off the bench, like you said, virtually his first touch. That's that's exactly what he would have intended to do. He just seems to have great belief about him, Kevin Nisbet. Uh, nothing much frightens him. You could say the same. We'll speak about David Turnbull shortly uh, as well. Probably much the same in terms of the confidence they bring those two. But it's goals, isn't it? Goals for Scotland that for so long were so hard to come by. And if Scotland conceded in a game, you just wondered how we were coming back in a game. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, uh, London Dykes... 16 goals for, for QPR, I think six in his last eight at the tail end of the season. Uh, Shea Adams yep. scoring goals for Southampton. He's got one already for Scotland as well. And now Kevin Nisbet off the mark as well. So there are options up there, Craig. Yeah, and, and again, that's that's really, really important because, uh, you know, when you have your good spells or good moments in, in, in football matches, it's vital that you, you manage to score in those, in, in those moments because that's... They're the moments that change change games of football, um, you know. So, you, you look at the goal uh, from Nisbet; he gets himself in a good area. I mean, Robertson's cross is just like begging for somebody to get on the end of it. Uh, but he's still, you know, he's got to execute. It's a it's a great finish. Um, he was also involved with some really good combination play with, with Turnbull, who had a left foot shot that's just gone I don't know, a little bit high, potentially wide. But it was a really good moment. So has confidence, doesn't he? He has confidence mm. and he also has, that, I think, that little bit of that physicality that you need uh, at top flight to be able to feel people, to be able to um, still be able to protect the ball um, and bring other people into play for a striker as well is key for your your, your midfield players that are looking to, to get up and support that. He's probably got a bit of that, oh, that great Scottish word, gallus, uh, about him, Kevin Nisbet, and maybe the same goes for David Turnbull as well. Here's Stevie Clark talking about the Celtic midfielder's debut for his country. Good, good debut. Uh, Lots of good stuff. One or two things that we can that we can work on, as, as you would expect. But one or two things we can work on with all the players. It was rather than looking for nice for David. Listen, first cap did really well against a tough opponent. So that's a big feather on his cap on the back. He had a really good season at Celtic, so he can be pleased with his performance. But all the lads can be pleased because we played well. We played the way we wanted to play. We were aggressive at times. We got the press right. Sometimes, not all the times, we got the press right sometimes. And when we did that, we looked a good team. He just seems to have risen to every challenge, Jen, that's been set him. David Turnbull, it took him a while to get into the Celtic team. When he did, he kind of looked like he'd always been there. And, and I think probably 
for the last the second half of the season. He was probably Celtic's best player, um, and and I don't think we had too many doubts about when he was given his debut uh, for Scotland, which came last night. Um, he was going to lap it up, and he did. He did. It was it was great to see him in the side, and like you said, he really I think took advantage of his debut. Um, like you said, he's he's definitely grown into the season and seems to feel like he's he's peaking at the right time. He's he's really taking advantage of of this kind of opportunity and like what Craig said, it was against a very good Dutch side and he held his own in the midfield. And I think, as you said, um, just because of the player he is, he so often hits the target. When he has a, a shot from any sort of range inside 25 yards, he, he tends to at least be working the goalkeeper. And I, and I think he was surprised, and we probably were as well, that although that shot was pretty close to the top corner, um, it wasn't quite on target for him. Yeah, the standards that he you know, would set himself in terms of the impact that he's made um, since he has been introduced to, to Celtic, changed their season. Um, and then you know the opportunities uh, in being involved with Scotland. I don't, didn't see that as a, it's an unbelievable chance, but again, it was good uh, combination mm. play, and it was a really good effort. And he was unlucky; he, he'd be a little bit disappointed that he didn't hit the target. The flip side of that, you know, potentially the second goal that, that Scotland conceded defensively, uh, you can see that he, he ball watches for that slight second, uh, and therefore. You know, Scotland were punished, and I think that's probably something that Steve Clark's kind of mentioning at, at the end. There, there's areas of his game that he'll need to improve upon, but he's not necessarily that holding, sitting kind of midfielder. So you can see why he got caught out for that second goal. Just uh, noticed on the the screen in the studio alongside us that the the Eng English Championship uh, team of the season has been selected. Grant Hanley is in it. Um, uh, and he's one who probably uh, would have started um, if Stevie Clark had been putting out his what he sees as his strongest team last night. But Liam Cooper of Leeds United played that position, uh, and I thought he was tremendous. I mean, he really gave off a lot of confidence, which you probably expect, Jen, because he's been playing in a terrific Leeds United team, captaining at that Leeds United team this season. Exactly, I think Leeds have been unbelievable to watch this year, and especially with you know the sort of high press that they've done all year. You know, he just slotted right into that system as we watched last night. Um, and again, it just shows the depth that Steve Clark has. And you know, he said it already, he'll have headaches and sleepless nights trying to think of his first 11 now. And it's credit to the boys for putting in such great performances. Good couple of people to speak to about uh, central defenders since you two are where uh, two of the best. Liam Cooper, is he, is he one you like, Craig? Yeah, very much so. And I just felt that, uh, as Jen mentioned, it was a, a game that really suited... Um, suited him because of the way that Bielsa plays at Leeds and the type of football they played and the way that Steve Steve Clark wanted to go and press and, um, and and play that aggressive, proactive style of football. He come in, he looked nice and settled, he looked calm, uh, which is important at international level that you don't you know you're not overawed. Um, produce a, a cheeky couple of back heels. I, I think there was one where yeah. it goes yeah. out for a corner. I'm thinking, oh, that could yeah. end up in the bottom corner, but. Yeah. Uh, no, look, he, he looks like he looks like he's a player that you can see. You know, he's, he's played at a level. Um, he's confident. He knows what he what he can do. And, and when you're you're up against these these good players, it's so important that the mentality is strong. Because if you give a player an inch, and all of a sudden you you, you get the wood over your opponent, then it could be it could be real danger. But he didn't show that, nor did any other Scottish player. Were you thinking own goal? Were you thinking a, a Craig Moore special? Oh, well, I scored a couple. Yeah, <laughs> scored, scored a couple. Well, he doesn't really, I mean, he has a, an idea of where the goal is, doesn't he? But the way he just slings, 
he's, he's here out of it. Yeah. It, it could have ended up anywhere. Corner was probably a good result. Yeah. And then there was that back heel um, interception. Yeah, which was which was brilliant as yeah. well. I mean, it's just that it's being composed, isn't it, Jen, in, the, in that sort of pressure situation, which you must know so well. Well, try to. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, especially in, you know, the Euros is going to be the epitome of high pressure game. So to see people in that position having the composure and, you know, come June the 14th, he's, he's, he's going to be ready for it. Mm. But 100% as centre-backs nowadays, they, they mm. have to have composure on the ball and be confident with what they're doing. And I think you can definitely see that within him. But what about, Jen, nowadays, though, a bit, bit of a pet hate for me, like with central defenders in particular, yeah, in the modern day game, they say, can they pass a ball? I'm like, uh, can they actually defend? Like, yeah. Because if you can't pass the ball, surely you shouldn't be playing. You know, it's like for me, it's it's getting that balance, isn't it, for a central defender, that you can have the the ability to obviously to, to build up and to pass from the back. But those defensive duties, one v one, especially with uh, international football, that highest level football is so important. Cooper done great. Hanley also has shown a you know Norwich and the season that he's had. So again, it's a depth that we're kind of touching on with Scotland. We're talking Scotland, uh, we're inevitably talking Celtic as well in that uh, high-profile situation vacant. Jen, is that something you've been uh, keeping tabs on, uh, that search for a, a, a replacement for Neil Lennon? And we're now at 100 days since they parted company. A bit surprising that, that nothing has happened concrete in that time? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a long period of time, especially nowadays within football, you know, managers leave and then another one replaces relatively pretty quick so for me I feel that that's quite a long time but I feel like Celtic fans would have been reading everything and listening to everything and really really believing that Eddie Howe was was going to be in the position so to see that flip on its head pretty quickly I think would have been a surprise to them but as Craig mentioned earlier I think it sounds like we may be close um, to filling that role. I'm going to shine the light in your eyes um, a little bit longer between now and seven and get some answers out of you, Craig, um, as we try to solve that great mystery of who is the next Celtic manager. Uh, Jen Beattie, Craig Moore, Rob McLean with you on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. The Celtic side, of course, not just minus a manager, minus a head of football operations. There's no football director as we speak. And of course, there's no captain currently with uh, Scott Brown having left for pastures new. He will be Aberdeen uh, player coach in the next campaign. He's been giving us an exclusive interview, has uh, Scott Brown. He's been talking to our own Joe Hendry, and you'll be hearing that after the break. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Days at Thursday, the Thursday edition of the Go Radio Football Show. I had to think about that for a minute. On the back of Netherlands 2, Scotland 2, on the Algarve last night, uh, Istanbul. Estadio, Estadio Algarve, yeah, it was called in, in Faro. I don't know why I was searching for the name there since I've already said it. 2-2 uh, it was, that last-minute equaliser, last couple of minutes from Memphis Depay. Uh, it was a brilliantly taken free kick, no doubt about that. Um, and I'm not going to go on about the decision, which was pretty awful, but the Scotland performance, uh, in sharp contrast to the officiating of that game, uh, was very impressive indeed, uh, giving us great hope going into the Euros. It's Luxembourg on Sunday. That's a, a five o'clock kickoff, and then it's down to the real thing. Uh, a week on Monday for Scotland against the Czech Republic at Hamden. There will be 12,500 fans there. Are we getting excited? Yes, we certainly are. It's Rob McLean with Jen Beatty of Arsenal and Scotland and uh, Craig Moore is with us as well. Former Rangers defender 
and uh, Australian football legend as well. And uh, we're just wondering whether Ange Postecoglou is going to be the next Celtic manager. There have been problems floated, Craig, um, about uh, licence. Uh, does he have the appropriate qualifications uh, to take the job? Um, how big a problem is that and is it easily surmounted? Because we are hearing uh, today that, that Celtic have applied to UEFA to try to get round this. Yeah, an exemption. Um, look, it's it's not it's not ideal. Um, my good friend Kevin Musket went through a similar situation uh, when he was given the the job in Belgium at Saint Truiden, uh, and basically, what well, you know, the process was that um, you know the the, the appeal process, uh, basically, application for an interview. Once that interview then takes place, uh, it, it is pretty much day. So look, Ange Postecoglou. Uh, certainly, in regards to the criteria required, he's managed at international level. He, he's he's also managed in in one of the the, the top countries in the AFC. Um, the nightmare is, and I've said this back in Australia for for years, is is why the 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 licenses, the the, the UEFA A license, UEFA Pro, and also, why it doesn't translate from one confederation to another. For me, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, that's something they need to look into because. That's why you have these silly kind of kind of issues. But look, I don't. It's not something that will hold a deal back. Ange Postecoglou, I think I touched on the show um, earlier on in the in the week. He's a winner. Um, he, he's got a great mentality. Um, he sets a fantastic culture. Um, he plays attractive football, uh, which is something that Celtic supporters would love to see. Um, so look, there's it, it ticks a lot of, a lot of boxes for me. I've, been fortunate enough to work underneath him. I worked at part of the backroom staff at the 2014 World Cup uh, and also when Australia won the Asian Cup in 2015. So I've seen him operate firsthand. Mm. And he, he he gets the best out of players. He doesn't come in with a rule book. Um, but he, he the, the culture, is, is, is the way that he sets that culture, like he says, I don't need a rule book. You, you get the culture right. You get the buy-in from all the players, the staff. It keeps you on your toes. He keeps you on your toes as well, and I think that that's probably what Celtic need. They 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 need an overhaul of things. Um, I think players, I think staff, I think they all need to be challenged, and he can do that, and he would improve Celtic significantly. But a, a decision needs to be made quickly. Yeah, the the reason that a lot of the a lot of Celtic fans. I've got a problem with this, of course, is that they've not heard of them. It's a name that's not only difficult to say, but it, but, but it, but it means nothing to them. They've never heard of him before. He hasn't coached or managed in Europe. But, and, and it's all a bit far away, far, far away as far as they're concerned. And, and they're thinking back, Jen, to, to the days when Brendan Rodgers was appointed, for instance, or Martin O'Neill, glamour appointments. And, mm. and they would see that as something to rival Stephen Gerrard on the other side of the, of the city. Yeah, but I I feel like if those are the opinions, if you know if he is appointed, then those opinions will change very quickly when the first win comes or the first you know it gets into a flow and um, winning will change those mindsets very quickly. So I think they just need an opportunity really to come in and and go about their business and hopefully the the Celtic fans can get behind that. What are you thinking? Do you have faith in uh, the Celtic board and what they are trying to do here? Uh, do you want to see Ange Postecoglou 
installed as the next Celtic manager. One other vacancy to be filled, of course, is the man who wears the captain's armband. Will it be Callum McGregor next season? He looks to be the heir apparent. Uh, Scott Brown uh, on the move after 14 years at Celtic, trophy-laden years at Celtic. Uh, he leaves a legend, uh, no doubt about that. I wonder will he return to Celtic Park at one stage uh, to say farewell to the fans properly. Uh, that would seem like a, a good thing to do. But uh, he's on the move to Aberdeen now. He'll be playing still. He'll be coaching as well, part of the, the Stephen Glass coaching setup. Our intrepid reporter, Joe Hendry, has been talking to Scott Brown. Scott Brown. Scott Brown, welcome to the Go Radio Football Show. A huge summer ahead for Scotland. How much are you looking forward to, to watching on in this tournament? Yeah, it's going to be fantastic for Scotland. It's great to see the country get back to the Euros. It's just a pity all the fans can't go down and watch the games and that but no we're looking forward to it I'm sure most of the nation's looking forward to it as well Now you retired from international duty in 2018 is there any part of you that now that we're there you know that it's been 23 years that kind of wishes a wee bit that you were still there Oh I wish I was there yeah of course I do but uh, this bunch of lads deserve their opportunity I've retired uh, once before actually the official retirement but it was definitely time for me to retire and get somewhere else a shot of it I wish the lads all the best and in the Euros it's going to be exciting You mentioned the squad there as well in terms of the quality that we have there's some amazing individual talent in that team and talent that you know really well too what What do you make of the, the squad overall? I think the squad is very strong I, I think the thing that we've struggled with over the years is trying to get a fantastic 11 we've always struggled in positions and not had the, the right number uh, the right players available at the time you know the squad's looking very strong all the way from the goalies all the way through to the Front three. And of course, as well, you you know David Turnbull, he's been called up for the first time. In terms of David's contribution, how encouraging is it to be able to see him hopefully be able to make his mark in, in the next three games? I've seen him since he came in, he's worked extremely hard, worked on his uh, building his upper body up, getting a little bit quicker as well over the distances and that. And he's also he's full on fitness as well. So, no, he deserves his opportunity and what a time it is for him to get called up to his uh, first actual squad in the Euros. So, no, I'm, I'm delighted for him as well because he deserves it. He's worked extremely hard, as I said, and plus he's a fantastic football player as well. And it's not just David Turnbull, of course. You, I mean, you know, you played with Forrest McGregor, Hendry, Christie, and, and one is, you know, Kieran Tierney as well, who's obviously gone down south and done remarkable. What do you make of Kieran's development? Yeah, I think everyone knows how good Kieran is. He's one of the best left-backs and in the world and now he's just getting better and better and it's his fighting spirit and also his strength and his pace that's also pushing him into new things as well his quality has always been there his dedication's always been there but he's just going to keep getting better the more he continues to play as well and he's shown the world how good he is and I'm sure he'll do that on that big stage as well. Now, I mean, we talked a little bit there about, you know, it's been so long since Scotland qualified for a major tournament with the 23 years. I mean, France 98, what are, what are your memories of, of France 98? I mean, you'll only have been a young guy at the time, but uh, what were your memories? <laughs> I just remember coming home and my mum had uh, the Scotland flags on the windows and the balloons and everything and we were all sitting down in the, the big massive square box telly to watch the game. So, no, it was, it was great and for us to play uh, in a Euros and to see all the Tartan Army fans over there, it was it was something that I always dreamed of doing. But uh, sadly, it's, it's not to be. But I just wish the lads 
uh, they make the most of the situation because it's going to be three fantastic games for them to get out of um, that group. And even though it wasn't to be for you, how proud a moment is it to lead your country out as captain? And, you know, if you think back to France 98 when you were sitting watching that and then to fast forward, you know, a couple of years and that was you leading Scotland out, how, how did that feel? Yeah, it's a great honour to lead my cap, uh, lead the country out, sorry, and to be captain of the country. It's something that you dream of when you're a kid and you always want to play for your national team. You always want to do the best. You always want to win the games and I gave 110% when I could play and tried to be as fit as I possibly could be. And that's something that I'm going to cherish and that will live with me for a long, long time because there's not a lot of people have that opportunity to do that. And I was lucky enough to do that uh, a few times for my country. And it wasn't just for Scotland. Obviously, you had an incredible um, time at Celtic, which has obviously just come to an end recently. Has it sunk in yet in terms of uh, having having left Celtic and moving on from that part of your career? Yeah, it's sinking in now. It's I had. 14 fantastic seasons at the club I've enjoyed every single moment of it but uh, as I said before I felt like it was the right time and the right opportunity for me to move on and Aberdeen's a fantastic club and I know Stephen and Alan really well and I'm looking forward to actually getting on the training field and working with the lads as well as playing as well And you're, you're obviously really enthusiastic to get going at Aberdeen and it will be a big change for you though won't it because Celtic's been such a huge part of your life for such a long time how much are you looking forward to actually you know a change of scenery as well and, and a new challenge Yeah as I say it's, it's definitely the right time for myself to move on I, I feel like I can still play football I feel like I can still uh, get through 90 minutes and still help out the lads as well in the park so it's a it's a huge challenge for myself, but I'm enjoying the backroom uh, bits and bobs that we're doing as well, working on budgets, bringing in players, having to speak to players' agents and stuff like that. So I'm enjoying that part to see how the club works. And also, we're prepping for pre-season now, so it's different parts of the game that uh, you maybe take a little bit for granted when you're a player because you just turn up and you just uh, hope for the best. And all the coaches have got all the sessions planned, so now I'm part of that, and but also playing as well. So let's hope the sessions are good. Scott Brown's exclusive interview with our own Joe Hendry. It's going to be interesting, Jen, to see what sort of impact he has at Aberdeen because uh, he's a serial winner, isn't he, Scott Brown? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think for him, like he's what he just said, it would be great for him to see the other side of football and get in about the coaching. And I, he, even watching him, you can tell he's, he's not done yet. He still has so much in him physically. Um, and it'll be interesting to see him play for a different club. But I think, he'll, yeah, he'll, of course he's going to miss Celtic. He does sound refreshed, doesn't he, Craig? Um, I mean, it's just going to be so different for him, isn't it? The landscape is going to be so different, having been 14 years. Uh, a Celtic player, and, and of course, for a lot of that, Celtic captain, uh, I think 22 winners' medals in 14 years. I think it's incredible, uh, and his career is still, still going. Um, look, he'll, he'll ruffle a few feathers up there, I've no, no doubt about that, because that's what winners do. Uh, you know, when you have that, that pedigree and you have that success... Um, that's that's what drives you. Um, obviously, the opportunity now for Aberdeen, <clears throat> excuse me, to re to really tap into that. I'm sure that you know the younger players there that um, he'll be quite firm with because again, it's about raising the bar, setting those standards, um, and and winning trophies. So that that's definitely the challenge uh, for Aberdeen. Um, the 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 off the field stuff, you know, he touches on the, the the coaching side of things. And as a player, you just turn up. You're right. Your kit's there. Your instructions. There. But he's right, the, the amount of planning and things that happen behind the scenes, you know, the if it's potential contract discussions, talking to agents, um, 
you know, your, your scouting network, logistically, the planning, the preparation. He'll he'll learn so much, um, and he'll be in a really good position um, to take his career to the next level uh, when uh, he stops playing. But at the moment, he's still got plenty plenty left in there, and he'll be driving a lot of people uh, onto bigger and better things at Aberdeen. So, be interesting to see how how it plays out up there. Yeah, the Celtic fans are still coming to terms with the fact he's gone. Um, and I think a lot of us made the assumption um, that he would stay on, that he would extend his stay with Celtic. Maybe his playing days would would be on the downward scale, but uh, but that he, that he would be there maybe in a coaching form. Um, and, and a lot of Celtic fans, I, I guess, are, are in pain at his departure because he has been instrumental in so much of that recent Celtic success, Jen. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think even for me seeing that move, even I was, you know, partly surprised, but he's obviously been offered a really good opportunity up at Aberdeen that now is it's a new chapter for him. It's a new challenge. You know, maybe he wanted a fresh perspective at a completely different club and, and learn his trade doing other things. Um, like what Craig said, his days, you know, you would just turn up, train as a player and go home, whereas now, you know, be in first thing, planning, prepping, staying after sessions, doing all the extra stuff. So it would be a completely different uh, job for him up there. But yeah, of course, the, the Celtic fans would have been absolutely gutted to see a guy like Scott Brown, who's been such a legend for the club for so many years. But mm. I'm sure 100% they'll wish him well, albeit. Jen was talking uh, about the Celtic fans adapting uh, to the thought of a new manager that they've never heard of before. Do you think there's a lot of ignorance in the air, Craig, in terms of opposition to this appointment, the potential appointment of, of Postecoglou, uh, just because he's he's not a household name over here? For, yeah, for sure. I think it, you know, probably a little bit lazy uh, in certain parts of the of the media because you you look and you dig a little bit deeper at his profile. And wherever he's been, he's won trophies. Uh, he won the uh, the Asian Cup in Australia. Uh, he was voted in in 2015 Asian Coach of the Year. He went to the J League with a mid table team. Second season, they won the title. Um, he's got a good record, and in terms of what he knows about Scottish football, look, that's a challenge for anybody that hasn't been here or, or managed here before. That's a challenge. That's a risk with anybody. But he was national team coach. So he was monitoring Jackson Irvine when he's playing at Ross County. Fun watching those games back mm. in the day. You know, Tommy Rogic at Celtic. So, look, he knows enough uh, about uh, Scottish football and the size of Celtic Football Club. Um, look, and the Australian mentality in, in, in world football is a lot of the times we're actually seen as the underdog. Um, and he loves to prove people wrong. The, the other worrying aspect for the fans is, is the is the time factor, yep. is the fact that we're three days into June already. Yep. Um, and had it been Eddie Howe, then you would have believed that there was a lot going on in the background and he was coming in and that was all nailed on. Mm. Because there's still doubt yep. about the managerial appointment, um, it's fairly safe to assume. I, I don't think there's a head of recruitment at the moment at Celtic either, is there, with Nicky Hammond having, having gone. So what's happening signing-wise? Yeah, and look, and that's why... I, you know, I believe that this will be something that you're talking days rather than weeks because after the, the disappointment of Celtic not landing or securing the services of Eddie Howe and then within a day, the, the strong, really, really strong media coverage about now this new new sort of like coach uh, is, is a favourite to take the job and lots of stuff. I can't see how Celtic would embarrass themselves twice in terms of uh, falling into a trap of going that far down the line and being out in the media and all of a sudden... That, 
they need to get the right man. They need to get the right person. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done. We just listened to Scott Brown there. I think the reason why Scott Brown probably didn't decide to stay at Celtic Football Club was because of the uncertainty. Yeah. I think he said that himself. As well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not putting factor, words into his mouth. Yeah. yeah, so look, it's it's very, very important. Champions League qualification. Still knowing what your playing roster is going to look like. You know, are players that are under contract going to be leaving or, or are there new contracts um, going to be put in place? Are they going to be extended? So there's a lot to get through still at Celtic. It's been quite a year for Jen Beattie. She's been to hell and back. I'm going to speak about that after this. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. So we've been talking about Ange Postecoglou and the prospects of him uh, becoming the Celtic head coach in the next couple of days, maybe a few more days. <laughs> the whole story's been running for, for months, so it wouldn't be a great surprise if it dragged on a little bit longer. Talking about Scotland as well, of course, on the back of uh, that two-all draw last night with the Netherlands on the Algarve. Uh, first Scotland goals for Jack Hendry. And for Kevin Nisbet as well. And of course, uh, Scotland play Luxembourg on Sunday in their second and last warm-up before the European Championship Finals. Good to have you with us on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. Rob McLean, Craig Moore and the Arsenal and Scotland defender 131 times capped. Jen Beatty, it's good to have you with us. Uh, Jen, you have had a horrendous year. Uh, you were diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, but you've come through it all and uh, you've you've bounced back, but you must have been through some horrible, horrible times. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, this year has been, been tough for everyone with COVID hanging around for longer than we all expected. But yeah, to, to go through something like that um, without being able to, you know, go through it with family and friends around me was, yeah, it was, it was very hard, but, you know... Um, they were still incredible and I'm so grateful for the club as well for for really, really looking after me. Yeah, it sounds like the staff and the players at Arsenal really rallied round and you, you'd, you'd great uh, medical attention and, and personal attention and support as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, you know, I made the decision pretty early on to, to continue and train and play for as long as I could. Obviously, I had the surgery not long after being diagnosed, but I bizarrely tried to treat it as an injury and just get my focus was getting back on the pitch as quickly as possible because that was my that was my switch off that was how I for one or two three hours out of the day I knew I didn't need to think about anything cancer related as long as I was I was playing football but 100% the the girls were incredible the sort of support that they showed and emotionally and, and everything and the staff as well Joe my head manager he was almost like a father figure away from obviously my dad not being able to be down there with me and yeah I'm just glad I I got through it I finished treatment just before Christmas and then managed to spend Christmas with the family so that was a really really nice time and yeah hopefully it's behind me you could obviously uh, relate to this Craig because you you came through uh, testicular cancer Mm. yeah and and just listening to, to Jen's story there as well it's you know, we're talking, I mean, cancer doesn't discriminate first and foremost. Um, and, and the awareness is, is extremely important, um, you know, in terms of self-checking and, and if there's any issues, obviously seeking um, advice with, with doctors and all that sort of stuff very, very early. But Jen, I was really, really interested to hear you because it, it took me back actually. We're still thinking about how we can get back on the field. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you're, you would have been having conversations. Well, hang on, Jen, listen. Football aside, this is this is something a little bit more serious, and 
yeah, that, that took me back a little bit, yeah, because we, we do, we have that structure and, and it probably it helped me a lot in, in terms of the support network that I had, the coach that I had at the time, Frank Farina. Um, you know, I f- wanted to stay home and was feeling a little bit sorry for myself and he was like, listen, get in, get into work. Mm. Um, and it was the best advice that um, I received from anybody, you know, because getting back in there and being open and, and, and having these kind of discussions um, had the surgery as well. I was fortunate enough to play 10 days later, which was crazy when I think about it. But I also felt is, you know, through my situation, Jen, that I, I kind of cheated it a little bit because I had the surgery, played 10 days later, didn't have to undergo any chemo or, or anything like that. My blood markers were never high with the testicular cancer. So I kind of obviously went to the regular checks and all that sort of stuff. But then when I've spoken to other people that have had to go through chemo um, and how much that can take out of you and all those kind of things. Mm. So, look, I think, you know, when we're talking about these kind of things, the awareness is fantastic. What you what you would have went, went through, uh, life flashes per, you know, in front of your eyes. I know that. I experienced that. So it's fantastic um, that it was addressed. And uh, in terms of recovery, what, what does that mean in terms of ongoing checks and stuff like that? Um, yeah, so I finished treatment before Christmas and then had my six-month checkup in May and was fine. And yep. then it'll just be mammogram sort of annually yep. come October because that will be a year. Yep. Um, but yeah, I completely, re- everything that you're saying is resonating with me. Um, it's it's definitely, the more you talk about it, you realise how common it is. And going into work every day and having those kind of discussions with the girls, it helped me understand it, mm-hmm. but it also helped them understand it too. So definitely normalising the conversation yep. helped me so much. And, you know, before you know it, you're on a radio programme with Craig Moore who's gone through <laughs> yeah, well, the, a similar situation. Similar, similar so, situation, but yeah, yeah. You realise that every situation is also different and it, it is one big learning um, experience and it was for me and, yeah. And you'd radiotherapy rather than chemotherapy, yeah. which I, I imagine makes a, a massive difference. Yeah, I think similar to what Craig said, um, obviously you hear different experiences and different situations with cancer and for me that was the one thing that I was I was probably most scared of, to be honest, because that would have put me out of football for longer. I know that's probably ridiculous to say because yeah, yeah. a lot more things are important than football. But um, for me, radiotherapy was every day for two weeks. Um, and it, I'll be honest, it did completely wipe me. Mm. It, the, one of the big side effects is fatigue, but ironically, exercise helped. So when I said, when they asked, oh, what do you do for a living? You know, we, we offer exercise classes for me to come back and said, okay, I, I play professional football. They were like, okay, kind of laughed and, you know, you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, but again, that that was my timeline and I was glad to, you know, get it get it done and finished before the sort of end of the year and so I kind of kickstart into 2021. Have you come through this a much stronger person? I hope so. <laughs> I think, yeah. You mean, you must, you must have done, presumably. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things you just... You never expect. I mean, but like what Craig said, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter whether you're 29, mm. 59 or 89. You know, you have to talk about these things and, and get checked whenever things don't feel quite right. So I'm just glad I, I'm glad I did. did. Did you delay, Craig, when you first discovered uh, an issue? I mean, I think you did, Jen, didn't you? You, <clears throat> you know, as one, as probably most people do, when you discovered a lump, the, you did delay, but thankfully not so long that it wasn't able to be picked up early enough. Yeah, I'm not sure if this would be similar with Craig, but for me, I, I did feel really, really lucky that I was in a setup that, you know, we have a club doctor. So whenever I could go into football, she would be there. So I, it was just one day where I said, could, 
you know, could you check this out for me? Do you mind if we just go into the, the room and check this out? And, you know, it wasn't, we're so lucky as footballers and having health advisors there firsthand that, you know, I'm unsure. I mean, I hope that I would have booked a GP appointment and done it all, yeah. all through that way, but I'm not sure if you're... Situation. I, I think, look, I think what probably helps us in terms of, you know, being involved in professional sport and you know what the changing rooms are like and all that sort of stuff. So we're kind of comfortable with our bodies, that kind mm. of thing. And, and look, you know, so that part, I think, also makes it a little bit easier to, to then go and speak with a doctor. Whereas, you know, for some people, it's not the norm. They're, they're really, really private. Um, and 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 because in a sense your body's not your own because lots of people are, are involved with your body in terms of preparing you for games and stuff. Oh yeah, and it's just I mean, all the antics that goes on in the dressing room, like sort of stuff. I mean, people—that's one thing in in professional sport or football—they're very very comfortable with their bodies. Um, so look, I I obviously felt something uh, with with myself that was that was uh, didn't feel right to me, um, and I immediately went and, and wasn't through a club doctor; it was just GP, and went up and had a, an ultrasound scan and, you know, when you kind of see the, the look on the doctor's face and you go, mm, this is not good. So then uh, followed up from for, for, for some other results swiftly. Within days, I was I was in getting an operation. So I went to the doctor as soon as I seen it. Yeah. I've spoken to John Hartson briefly, who, who was one that kind of let it let it go, let mm. it linger. And, and, and now he comes out very strong in terms of, you know, the communication and the awareness and the importance of, um, you know, any doubts, just go see a doctor. Yeah. That's the clearest message you, you, you can give in this process. Like, so it doesn't yeah. discriminate. My brother actually um, ended up having uh, testicular cancer three or four years after me as well. And he went through all the chemo and all that sort of stuff. So I've, 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 I've seen it as, as well. And, and look, it, it is horrible. But the more that we're able to discuss it Rob, yeah. uh, and be open and speak about it, um, we can save people's lives. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. Get yourself checked out has always been a good message and, and never more so than in the last 15 months or so when obviously all sorts of uh, medical checkups have been knocked back because everything's been about COVID. Uh, and I think there's a major backlog now, isn't there, in terms of dealing with cancer. But um, stepping forward and talking about it, Jen, is certainly a good port of call, first port of call. 100%. That was pretty much the decider for me to to speak about it. I have friends that work within the NHS and it was them that were actually telling me, you know, cancers or the numbers being diagnosed have dropped massively in 2020 because of COVID. So for me, I, from that moment, I said, okay, right, I'll, I'd like to speak about this because I needed to share my experience that hospitals were completely safe and I felt really comfortable. So I needed sort of people to hear that in order if they felt, because of course, people had natural anxieties surrounding mm. all of that. And for so I think it was important for me to share that, that it was okay to help ultimately encourage people to go in and get checked. It's been great that you've made such a good recovery. Uh, Jen Beattie with us, Craig Moore as well, Rob McLean, the Go Radio Football Show. News at six on the way, plus another hour of football chat. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was It was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five.
How do you handle optimism when it comes to supporting Scotland? We're all having to cope with that new feeling uh, today on the back of that uh, terrific performance last night on the Algarve. Uh, Scotland drawing two each with Netherlands and just a couple of minutes away from beating uh, the Dutch team as well. Jack Hendry scored his first Scotland goal off the bench. Kevin Nisbet scored his first for his country as well. Uh, real quality about the performance. Debuts for David Turnbull and Billy Gilmore as well. And it's uh, Luxembourg for Scotland on Sunday at five. And then the following Monday, of course, it is the Czech Republic at Hamden. Yes, in the European Championship Finals, our first major finals appearance for 23 years. Can't wait. Rob McLean, Jen Beatty and Craig Moore in the studio on the Go Radio Football Show. And on the line, we have, well, we're introducing, we're going a few rungs up the ladder in terms of culture because uh, we've got a best-selling author with us uh, tonight. Well, Pat, Pat and Evan, you will be soon, won't you? Maybe not quite best-selling yet, but I believe it's doing very well in the, the Times hardback charts. Yeah, apparently you can call yourself best-selling if you get in the top times, top ten of the times hardback chat. Yeah, I don't think it's really honestly best-selling, but it's it's doing really well, and everyone's been very very positive uh, reaction to it. So, uh, yeah, good news. Happy about that. In fact, everything seems good news for me at the moment. <laughs> blinder of a time at the moment. Obviously, my team Chelsea won the Champions League. Um, it, it just really brilliant things for Scotland, as you were talking about there things looking fantastic as well so um, you know sunshine and uh, as one person recently said to me what can go wrong now <laughs> what could possibly well, go wrong <laughs> we're, we're, Pat were you we're used to being petrified about watching Scotland it was all yeah. it felt all quite relaxed last night yeah it was a really nice person and by the way hello Craig and hello Jen Pat, <laughs> how are you night. hello yeah. I'm good good, good to, uh, to speak to you again um, do you know there's a real but it's about the whole thing. Okay, load of players missing, but do you know the confidence and the, the bravery of the players? And it, it wasn't a kind of sitting back most of the time. Yeah, we were put under pressure uh, for periods of time, but just that belief in trying to get on the ball as, as well, it wasn't a back to the wall. It was exactly what you want Scotland to be coming into a tournament, as in getting more confident, a little bit more belief about the team. Um, and, and fearless I thought the fearlessness that's the thing that got to me in this one really impressed with that attitude they've got I loved uh, the, the cutaway shots of Stevie Clark on the touchline he just looked like he was sitting on his patio in the sunshine with a with a glass of beer in his hand he looked he looked very relaxed and that, that suit seemed to uh, be transported onto the pitch as well where there was a lot of belief in what the players were doing, and and Pat, of course, you know him well from your from your Chelsea Chelsea days, and maybe nothing about what Scotland are achieving is surprising you too much. He he doesn't really get flustered, does he, Clarky? Very rarely. Um, he just takes everything that comes and kind of reacts, hopefully, the best way with it. And he needs to be calm because there's a number of young players in there, and it's, you know it's been a long time. It's twenty three years. You know you need to believe that you're you're good enough to be there and mix with these people. But to be honest, I look at our team and I look at the players that, you know, the ones that you wouldn't have expected to step up as well. I mean, Scott McKenna's a great example of it, isn't it? I mean, just waltzes in there and apart from smacking one in the back of the net, actually plays really well and really comfortably. So looking through that squad, the kind of heart of it is looking strong now, isn't it? We, we know about the midfield. It's, it's fine. In fact, I'd say it's better than fine. I'd say it's great. Um, and the left-hand side, the attacking areas we've got there, 
that's all good. And that kind of begins to sort of work through to the other players. It, it looks like a real good feeling. Having said that, it's the Netherlands in that game. It's uh, The next one's going to be obviously Luxembourg. The real stuff happens when we go to the championships. And it's hoping to have that same reaction, that same attitude. You know, when you get there, Clarkie will be exactly the same. He never changes. He might even smile if he wins. <laughs> steady, steady. steady. That'd, that'd be great, wouldn't it? The, the only bit about it he does, doesn't seem to enjoy is the media conferences afterwards where he's not going to re- use three sentences if one word will do it. Um, <laughs> he tends to be pr- pretty gruff, but uh, he can say and do whatever he likes, really, as long as he, he continues guiding Scotland in the right direction. And that's certainly happening. You watched uh, Billy yeah. Gilmore, part of that Chelsea squad, uh, winning the Champions League, part in Porto. Um, he came off the bench for his debut last night. Could he elbow his... I know you're saying Scotland are strong in the midfield and there's no doubt about that, but he has got real quality, hasn't he? Um, I just wonder whether he... Could you see him elbowing his way into that starting lineup, or is it too early? Do, do you, no, it's not too early. No, 100% it's not too early. Billy, Billy plays um, against some of the best players in the world, and he plays beside some of the best players in the world, and he looks absolutely at home. Because he is at home, he's that good. He's as good as them now. Not he will be, he is at the moment. Now, the bits that we've seen him, he's, he's trying to get a game in front of N'Golo Kante, who I believe is not among the best in the world. I think you're talking about the solar system. That guy's unbelievable, right? Yeah. I've got this theory, he lives in the future. He seems <laughs> to know exactly what's going to happen before it ever does. I've never seen a player like it. I'm right? going to write down and use that line at some point it's in the very near future. <laughs> I think he's got one of Hermione Granger's time turners. <laughs> anyway, so he's absolutely amazing, like him as a player. But you've also got Jorginho, who can control games like just about nobody else. Kovacic is a class player, right? But Billy comes in when he comes in, and he looks that level. And he is that level. Um, and it's, excuse the clang, always throw a name, drop a name. Uh, go a for clang, it. Right? Okay, so I was talking to Jorginho the other day, right? Oh. And he was saying, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> the Jorginho. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I had to do the, the flash kind of interview before the, the day before the game, and uh, he was he was just he was talking about himself always in the team. But I asked him obviously about Billy, uh, and the first question was, "Do you, can you understand Billy? Uh, I have a reason for asking that." And he went, "Yes, can you speak slowly too?" And I went, yeah, I'll speak slowly. <laughs> um, but he was just saying he's just, he's just another player for him of that standard. Mm. He just think, no, no, he's one of us. He's one. He might come on in the Champions League. It wouldn't have been a total shock had he come on. So he's got that utter, utter quality. I don't think he'll get the start right at the start, obviously, because we've got McTominay, we've got McGinn, we've got Stuart Armstrong. I thought it's magnificent at the moment. I think he might be in the best form of his life at the moment. But if there's any injuries, our players will need rest because the game's come thick and fast, especially if we get out of the group, then there's not a, a problem in the slightest about putting Billy in there. Because he does it with the best and he's comfortable there. So don't worry about him, he'll be there. The Accidental Footballer is the title of your book. I know you were counting the seconds till I gave it the official plug there, Pat. Uh, <laughs> why did you write it? I, I've, I've thought about I mean, People have asked me at times to write a book, I, but I've got the attention span of a soggy cornflake. So there was really never any chance of me having the discipline to do it. Uh, why, why did you do it? No, I was really busy. I was doing a lot of work. You know, yourself, you, you do a lot of work and I've generally have different countries I'm working in all the time. So I'm flying about here, there and everywhere. And I was writing for other people as well, for other, you know, other 
companies, etc. And I just didn't get a time. And then somebody annoyed me one day. Just really annoyed me. And it's kind of in the prologue of the book. This guy annoyed me so much that I got angry and I just started writing. And, and it was only five hours later, I'd done 10,000 words. And then I just got the anger and just loved writing it. Because, you know, it's like all of us in football, you know, and out with football, have had stories of what's happened. And I just started going for it. I just couldn't stop it. Um, so it was great fun. And by the way, I haven't stopped yet. I've kept on going. All right. <laughs> and so number two is finished already. Is, there, um, is it the deliberate so, football or is that the next one? Um, I've not, you know, do you know, can I own up to it because nobody's listening, right? I didn't come up with the title, right? <laughs> All the rest is mine. The design of the book and the title is not mine. But, you know, the the whole idea was that I hadn't tried to be a footballer. I just kind of, the, the, the line would be, I tried really hard not to be a footballer and failed. So I ended up getting into it and playing it. I, to underline it, I love football. I love playing it as much as anybody. I just didn't see the idea of being a pro because I had other things I wanted to do. I mean, I'm happy it happened in the end. It was yeah. great, but it was getting there and how it ended up getting there was, was some weird stories. And of course, I come in from a different angle than most people. Um, so I, was, I spent my time watching these people. And although, particularly at Chelsea, my nickname down there was weirdo, my idea was, no, you lot are all weird. <laughs> I'm normal. <laughs> and I think that's borne out over the years, to be honest. Yeah. Jen, was there anything accidental about you becoming a footballer? No, I tried. Tried very hard. <laughs> there was, yeah, I had to try very hard. Um, the only, I guess, bizarre thing was it, we were semi-pro. We didn't really. I didn't turn pro till I was twenty-two, purely because it didn't exist in women's football. So for me, that's been a privilege to be a part of, to seen, to have seen how much it's grown, and you know the visibility that our leagues across the world have and across Europe and. Champions League being on BT Sport and all that stuff now. So for me, yeah, I, I tried very hard and yeah, thankfully turned pro at 22. Is it easier? Is it an easier pathway for a girl now than it was then? Yeah, I, I, well, not easier, but there's more opportunity, I would say. Mm. Um, I think the coolest thing for me is being a, you know, full-time at, at Arsenal now and seeing girls' academies exist and seeing that opportunity for young girls to get into football that way and be around that environment and, and really learn their trade from early age. I mean, don't get me wrong, I played with boys up until I was 14 and absolutely loved it. It was the best form of development for me, but mm. to be at a full-time club now and see girls' academies and seeing them compete with each other, I think it's brilliant. Pat, we spoke about uh, Billy Gilmore. I want to speak about uh, Scott McTominay because obviously you were there. Um, you, you, uh, you, you, you watched that game when Scott McTominay was absolutely outstanding, wasn't he? In defeat against Villarreal in the Europa uh, League final. Um, I mean, that gives us great confidence as well. He was one of those players who, he was on the bench last night, but, but wasn't involved. He, he can come in and, and even improve on what Scotland delivered last night. Do you know the difference now? And I, I was thinking about it the other day. For a long time, we had the best players in teams down here. So Sunus and Douglas were the best players in their teams. And you, you look around and think, yeah, we, we're providing the best players for the Premier League teams. And then there has been a long time now where, well, maybe not. Maybe some of our players just about scrape, scrape into the first teams in the English Premier League. And I'm looking at McTominay. And I'm looking at McGinn. And I'm thinking... Nah, you're, you're as good as anybody else. I'm looking at Andy Robertson. Yeah, you, you could be the, one of the best players in that team, if not the best. I'm saying Kieran Tierney is by a distance the best player in that Arsenal team. So that's what we've got. Players of that ilk that were, 
they felt we were quite good players and we were actually getting top-level players that are easily top international players at any level. But, you know, they could actually grow into world-class players, some of the lads that are there. So, yeah, McTominay's one of them, and he's just at the start of his career. Mm. By the way, I need to go back to something Jen said. By the way, Jen was one of my favourite women players ever, and she's fabulous at the adaptability. She has a player as well, and I'm a big fan of women's football, as you probably know. But I did try really hard when I was to, to be good at football. I just didn't want to be a pro, right? So we all had to try hard to get there. You don't cruise into football. You need to work hard with it. <laughs> um, so just to underline that fact, I'm not saying it was dead easy for me. No, you work hard to be dead good, but the whole idea of being pro. But whole, everybody else, you look at the work rate, if we're talking about people that work hard, does anybody work harder than John McGinn that you know? Does anybody work harder than McTominay? Yeah. I was watching McTominay all the way through the season, right? And I think he made Paul Pogba a better player. Now, that's a better statement, isn't it? Yeah. But Pogba used to do that thing, you know, and Craig and Jen, you'll know this as much as anyone else. See, if you watch a player, they make a pass and then they stand and watch it. Yeah. Like, you don't really want to play with that player, right? Because mm-hmm. there's no man an angle for you. Pogba was doing it for the first, first whole half of the season and then they get dropped. Then he watched McTominay. He will never stand still after because he wants to help his team out. And after a while, Pogba started doing the right thing again. So I actually think Scott McTominay make Pogba a better player this season. Yeah, Pat, I, I, I totally agree with you. I've kind of been banging a drum a little bit uh, since I've returned back to, to Scotland. Um, obviously, I like to see him in the middle of the park, central midfield. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's holding down that position and having that effect and influence on, on so-called bigger players that... Manchester United, uh, you know, I, I, I think he's that important also for Scotland in the middle of the park. I know that uh, Steve Clark experimented a little bit um, wide of the, the, the three at the back central defensively mm-hmm. because he could come out and could travel with the ball. I hope to see him in the middle of the park. I know Scotland now, probably for the first time in a long, long time, there's some real depth to the squad. Um, but interesting to hear your thoughts on, on, on I think, you know, Clark, Steve Clark has come out and said that he's going to play in the centre, centre of the park now. That's kind of, you can see with our squad, but so important that he is, I believe, for Scotland. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are unimportant. What are Clarkies? And I've talked to Clarkie long about this. He never wanted them centre-back. He never wanted them back there. He always wanted them in midfield. But we're short in that area. We needed cover in that area. We needed experience in that area. And that's, Clarkie's whole point was that. He just, look, and I know it's not perfect for us, but we need somebody in there. And it's, there have been long periods where Scotland have had that difficulty of not having really top-class centre-backs. So even in my time, there were periods where we just went for a three at the back because the two weren't good enough at the very, very top level. And I think that's, I don't think, I know that's why he's, he stuck uh, Scott McTominay in there. But we're improving in that area. We're actually looking stronger. And some of the guys that have come in, I mean, lots of them have come in, like Dick and Gallagher has come in, Jack has come in, Scott's come in. You know, they've come in and done a right good job. Liam Cooper, he's beginning to come in. He can move into a three as well. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of players now that can come in and do that. And of course, if you stick Kieran Tierney yep. in that one over three, there you, you've already got the experience needed there. So I, I agree with you. He's better in the midfield, but so does Clarkie. <laughs> Good. So expect him to see that. That's a bit. That's the best outcome for Scotland, in my opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> did, did, yeah did, last, did last night, Pat, um, make you reassess what's possible for Scotland at the Euros? Um, that's a great question because I'm. I'm not. 
I don't. I mean, not usually with the knee-jerk reactions from a friendly, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but in actual fact, I just thought, wait a minute. You had six or seven not playing there. You didn't have the whole squad to go for. You brought on a lot of some younger players as well, and you've added sort of depth and beef to the squad. And I thought, Do you know what? See, before this, I was thinking, right, we might just scrape it. I'm now beginning to think we can certainly do check report. Well, we know we can do them because yeah. we've done them twice. But, you know, Croatia, you know, they've got three or four very, very good players. I don't think we're going to work out scared of them. And that is the one. If we can get anything out of them, I think we'll do enough in the other games to get through. So I'm, I have sort of changed it a wee bit. I'm much more hopeful, but isn't that dangerous to be a Scotland <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm undergoing a bit of therapy at the moment to try and cope with my feelings on the on the back of on the back of last yeah. night. It, yes, it was a friendly. No, it was it wasn't a serious business, but it was the Dutch and the Dutch don't like getting beaten, and they showed that with that with that that late equaliser. Can I throw in another one? Yeah. By the way, you've, we've not talked about. I think the one we need to really look at is Che Adams. Um, again, I sometimes I, I get to see quite a lot when I'm um, down here. I, I went to see him sometimes. Can't remember full we were playing. And honestly, technically, he's a real step above. He's a real jump up for us. And I, a lot of Scotland fans are maybe a wee bit disappointed that it took him so well to decide he was Scottish. But honestly, he's a big jump up for us, technically. And I think players that go and link up with him, particularly McGinn, they're going to love playing with him as they get to play with him more. So I'm pretty excited for a lot of parts of the team. But it's great that we've got him up there because he's an important part for us now. So what do you think then? Will we get out of the group, Pat? I say, I'm not allowed to say it, but I think England get get out. And the others, I, I would put us above the Czech Republic and it's just us against Croatia. That's um, the one that maybe decides it. Is that the last game? Yeah. That's the last yeah. game, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully not, the, hopefully not the last game. Not of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, the last group game. Yeah. See, um, I'm really lucky. I'm, go- I'm going to be at all the games and yeah. that'll be, and I, I expect that game I'll be sitting there biting the nails yeah. right down um, but I also think we'll have a bit of belief coming into it because the spirit in the group's good enough to take on anybody. I was pretty keen to call your book The Accidental Tourist, uh, which you probably have been uh, a lot of the time <laughs> as well, Pat, to be honest. Accidental footballer. Yeah. I know it's racing out of the bookshops and the bookstores online, all the rest of it. I take it, is it available at the all the high-profile outlets? Uh, yeah, no, apparently you buy it online at Amazon, you can go and get it at Waterstones, all that sort of stuff. But um, I just hope... And, See, I'm, I'm terrible at selling things. I really am awful <laughs> at it. But I just hope if you do actually get it and I hope you enjoy it. The reaction to it from people that have read it and got in touch with it on Twitter and all that sort of stuff mm. has been amazing. So there's a few laughs in there. <laughs> it's quite funny. And the person that's laughed at most is me. You'll be delighted to hear. But it's subtle selling. That's what you do. Uh, you don't even well, know you're I'm being sold to. to. <laughs> <laughs> good luck but, with it. And uh, good to have you on the show as ever. Good talking to you, Pat. Well, great to speak to you and yourself too, Jen, and yourself too. Cheers, Take Pat. Care. Cheers, Pat. Take care, Pat. That's Pat Nevin, former Scotland international, of course, and now best-selling author. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Thanks for that, Chris. Craig Moore, Jen Beatty, Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show. And we're just getting Craig sorted out on the schedule of Scotland's games upcoming, just so that you've got it right. So it's uh, the Czech Republic first, Craig. That's, that's a two o'clock kickoff as well, it, I believe. It is, it, and that's a week on Monday. Yeah. 
then it's England at Wembley. Yep. And then it's the one you were talking about against Croatia, Croatia. which, which uh, as Pat was saying there, that, that might be the one. Well, it's a fair chance that decides whether Scotland can go through or not. And that's that's only the team that reached the, the World Cup final in yeah. 2008. Yeah. yeah so, now nah, look, by the way, I think it's a, an amazing group. Uh, I think that the draw in terms of um, first, game, first game being against Czech Republic, I think it's the best possible way to start, you know, because I believe that is a game that Scotland can win. And in, you know when you when you're in tournament situation, tournament play, you've got to get off to a good start. You've got to get off to a good start against England. Anything can happen. Anything well, anything can happen. You know, yeah. Scot- Scotland can go and beat England. They've proven that. Um, anything's possible. You want to get to the last game with the opportunity to progress through the group stage. If Scotland put themselves in that position, then they have an amazing opportunity to get through the group. And we do have somebody, of course, who scored against England, don't we, Jen? Yeah, tricky game that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly what Craig said. We kind of left the Argentina game for us was our third game of the group, and obviously we hadn't picked any points up up until that that game, and it was very a pressure situation. Still had a chance of going through. Um, obviously, we let it slip the last sort of fifteen twenty minutes, but yeah, unbelievable experience still playing Parc de France, scoring. Um, yeah, hopefully we just wanted a, a better result, but still incredible experience. And we do know what we're up against with England. I mean, these are these are players that that we watch week in week out. We we know about Phil Foden, uh, we know about Jack Grealish, we know about Harry Kane. So that in in a sense, that's a straightforward game. I know the quality of the opposition is high, Jen, but but at least there there are, there's not much in the way of uncertainty about it. Yeah, going into these games, you know, there's so much analysis that's done evaluating everything in every game, every friendly leading up to the game against each other. But England, like you said, there's a lot known already. Okay, we maybe don't know the the starting level for them yet, but from watching them week in, week out, we know a lot of the players. They'll know a lot of the style of play and the way that they like to do things and maybe where where their weaknesses are. So hopefully they'll, they'll try and exploit that on the day. Ryan's a Scotland fan. Ryan, hi. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Some season you're having, is it going to be? Is it going to culminate with Scotland winning the Euros? Well, you never say never. We've done, we've done the impossible and the unthinkable, as I said. Jen Ryan's, a, I should right. explain. Ryan's a St Johnston fan, so oh. uh, he's <laughs> unbelievable scenes. He's been doing a bit of crowing and with fair justification as well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And you're optimistic then about Scotland. What did you think of last night? I I thought we played really well. We I usually think that we we really start slow and we're always on the back foot to start off. We always thinking the pressure on us. But last night we we just went for it. Um, obviously it's a different ball game because it's only a friendly. But it's um, it's positive signs definitely. I was I, for a long time I've actually been like, well, I'm actually impressed. And it was a good start, wasn't it? I mean it was. I mean, Billy Dodds on the commentary at one point said to me, "Yeah, Scotland have been good since since the goal." But actually, right from kickoff, it was Wasn't Scotland it? out of the traps, weren't they? Yeah, and and look, it's it's so important that um, any game of football that the way that you start, um, you know, being being up against it, being positive, um, it's crucial because if you start poorly, it's hard to then flick that switch and try and get yourself back into uh, a game that maybe then all of a sudden you're chasing. Um, and we've seen that. You've seen that loads of times over the years with oh. Scotland where, you know, too little, too late. Um, so it, the way that you start football matches, and they started extremely well. We know it's a friendly match, but it was a fantastic performance. And I think for confidence, 
and what um, you know would have been gained from last night hopefully can be uh, built upon again now for the game against Luxembourg, which will then put Scotland in a, in a really, really good position to, to start this tournament that everybody's excited to, to, to see. And I'm sure that the players are, uh, you know, can't wait. There'll be a little bit of nerves. You know, you're still last couple of games or last game, still a little bit of a lead in and all that. So players will still be a little bit nervy that they get there fully fit, ready um, to, to put their hand up for a start in 11 position. But that's, that's the environment. That's the culture that you want going into this tournament. One of the players that snapped up his chance last night, uh, Ryan, was Jack Hendry, scored the opening goal. Uh, and he was pretty disappointed that Scotland didn't come out on top in the end. Yeah, I mean, we conceded more chances late on, but I thought we were very solid tonight. Obviously, that goal at the end was never a free kick, in my opinion, and we should have won the game. But there's loads of positives to take from that. I think you show how strong the depth is in the squad. I mean, we've left boys behind, unfortunately, in Spain, and we come out here and nearly beat the Dutch. I mean, I think it's amazing, and we've got to take positives going into that next game in Luxembourg. Ryan, I'm not going to go on about it, but never a free kick, was it? No. Nah, he, he, the referee had had a shocker all night, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. He was absolutely shocker. He was giving everything to him. Um, and the pie knew that. He, he knew just the slightest little touch, he was going to go down and he was going to get it. Take nothing away from him. It was an absolute fantastic free kick, but he played to his strengths. He'd got the foul and he got the free kick and he scored it. On the other hand, if we had got, um, if we had just closed out the game, then we would have won the game and then probably questions would have been asked all over the world, like, oh, Scotland's actually beat the Netherlands. But, ah, well, uh, it's it's um, these words out of my mouth is we were at, I think a lot of Scotland fans, probably including yourself, Robin, Jen, and um, we were actually disappointed last night. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, we were. Never we, said that. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible to think uh, that Scotland were twice ahead in the game um, against the the Dutch, and maybe if if David Turnbull had scored that goal, Jen, there would have been no way back for the Netherlands. No, I do, but then I think this is the point where coming to Luxembourg game, it, you know, last night was great for the confidence and it was amazing seeing the players play with such confidence. But a win against Luxembourg, I think, will just be the end to sort of a really good prep. You know, these these two games will have been the sole focus of the boys' mindset right now. But as of Monday, it's the last game mm. and now it's then it's Euros. So a nice little win against Luxembourg will be perfect going into the tournament. And I'm sure the, the, that Stevie Clark's probably had to rip up the plans that he had going into these two games in terms of the teams he was going to put out in the two games, mm -hmm. Craig. Uh, obviously, he was minus seven guys, mm -hmm. all of whom could potentially have started that game last night. So maybe that will affect who he plays against Luxembourg versus who he might have played uh, before COVID struck. Definitely in football, you've got to be adaptable, don't you? You've got to be flexible. Uh, and look, for, for, for Steve Clark, he's... He's, he's now had the opportunity to, to, to maybe see players that probably he, he wouldn't have seen in that particular match. Um, he's, he's seen how well they've stood up to, to the occasion. Um, you know, because every game, friendly or not, uh, there's, a, there, there's that competition within a squad because you want to play rather than the other person. You know? So that competition for me is, is so important to a successful team. Uh, and I think that the, the benefit, hopefully for Scotland moving forward, is that there's, there, there's confidence now within the, the depth of that squad and, and within that playing squad, there'll be real competition about who's going to get those um, starting 11 jerseys come Czech Republic, first first game of the Euros. But still a, a very important game in, in, in terms of the, the final part of the preparation against Luxembourg because you, you don't disrespect any opponent ever. Um, You've still got to go out. You've still got to perform. You do the right things, then you should be winning this game of football. But... 
we've seen so many times that maybe uh, the, the result doesn't necessarily go the way you, you think it should because the game's not won on paper. I think the ref had maybe just interrupted his two-week holiday in the Algarve, Ryan, to, to take charge of that last night. Last night, by the looks of it. But he didn't spoil it for us anyway. Um, and we've got real choice, real competition, um, as we've been saying. Uh, and we've got goals in the team. And, and, and what a difference um, that makes. Uh, the fact that Kevin Nisbet got his first uh, last night. London Dykes is our number nine. Um, and... Pat Nevin was on the show just a little while ago, uh, rightly raving about Shea Adams because of the the level he's been operating at with Southampton and the goals he's been scoring in the English Premier League. Yeah, yeah, d- d- definitely. Um, Kevin Nesbitt done him, done himself wonders last night to get in a goal against uh, Holland, um, and and rightly so that they'll they'll all um, they'll go up a level now because they'll all be wanting to start for the Euros. So who's ever going to start? Um, on Sunday against Luxembourg, um, we'll probably might give Steve Clark the well, who's he going to pick for the first game against um, in the Euros. So yeah, it's it's looking good. I liked what I liked as well was the gel of the team. It wasn't just one or two performers. They were all they were all brilliant last night, and we were just we were just unlucky not to come away with with the win. But the passing, the movement, we, we looked hungry. We looked we wanted to to be on the ball. Um, so yeah so I think we can look forward to I mean a few of my friends are saying oh, we're going to win the Euros but I wouldn't go that far <laughs> <laughs> have they been imbibing by any chance aye yeah we're like uh, saying oh, aye look at the billboards in Glasgow when it says it's coming home I was like right okay then just settle down <laughs> but Ryan's like right Craig isn't he I mean, I mean what Scotland can't afford is a weak link in the team it's got it is, it's going to be a team effort if Scotland mm-hmm. do what we hope they will do yeah no it has to be I mean look yeah and that's, and that's the way that you want it to be. You know, you, you can't sort of like hang your hat on one or two individuals. It's more about the collective, the, the group. Um, and it seems to be a very, very strong group. And most importantly, um, a, a group that, you know, throughout their seasons domestically are tested week in, week week out, are playing at a high level. So the pressures that, that, that come with the type of football that they have to go into, it's not new. We were speaking about Billy Gilmore earlier on. He's just been involved in a Champions League Final, you know, he's training day in, day out with, with unbelievable players. With Pat Nevin's pal Jorginho. With with Pat Nevin's <laughs> pal Jorginho, yeah. Like so, these are players that aren't going to be phased uh, by whatever they come up against, and I think that's really, really important to then be able to put your stamp on a football match. Jen, do you think um, that Stevie Clark knows his team already for a week on Monday against the Czech Republic, or or do you think his mind is going to be swayed by what he saw last night and potentially what he's going to see on Sunday? I think you'll know. I think last night, obviously, it would have just summed up the amount of depth that the squad has, but I think Steve Clark at this point will surely have an idea of eight, nine starters and maybe one or two here nor there, not yet. But yeah, the, the quality that the boys have shown over last night and hopefully again against Luxembourg, he, Steve Clark said it himself, he likes the headaches, he like, he wants the sleepless nights, was he was quoted saying, so you know he'll thrive in that. And like what you said earlier, he won't be phased by making those decisions, those big decisions going into the tournament. So we'll find out next week. Ryan, would you change much um, of that team last night? What would you? Who would you add in to what we saw last night? Um, no, I don't think so. I think <clears throat> John, John um, McGinn. Really... You'd put John McGinn in, wouldn't you? Or would ah, you? Well, well, you could. But if you if you look at the performance last night, then 
why would you change it? You know, don't change something that isn't broken. You just drew against one of the best teams in the world. Um, but then again, it's all, it'll be up to Steve Clark. He he knows better than anybody on the training field who's performing, who's not performing, and who's going to give it give it their all. Um, but we we've got it's amazing because we look back, we didn't have quality all over the pitch to what we do now. It's it's quite incredible. Like we're actually debating who's going to play, who's not going to play, who's better on the bench, who's not better on the bench, and who who can actually. Um, Steve Carter, as they say, will have sleepless nights when he was picking his team. So, yeah, um, John McGinn's got the experience, but I don't. I, I think he'll go with this, the starting lineup that he had last night in the first game because he was impressive. It's funny, isn't it? Because because going into that game last night, the guys that that weren't available to him that were still back in Spain, uh, Marshall, O'Donnell, Hanley, McGinn, Adams. Uh, I think most of us would probably have put those five in Scotland's strongest team yeah. to, to play against yeah. the Czech Republic and and you just wonder how much last night and potentially Sunday yeah. makes a difference Craig yeah well, again look uh, what you ask from players is is to continually put their hand up and, and make the job hard for the manager that means that players are performing and that they're, they're doing well um, you know so you look at you look at Nisbet comes on mate makes a makes an impact scores a goal Um you know, does does he nudge a little bit closer towards the starting eleven? No, in my opinion, I still think it's it's Adams and and Dykes. Um, that would be up there mm. with potentially. I'm like it's in the middle of the park for me, where which really fascinates me because I, again, for me, you've got you've got McGinn and McTominay have to start. Mm. I think the one player that potentially could miss out out of, out of the midfield there is a McGregor. Potentially, yeah. You look at you know. Armstrong was very, very good. He was. Armstrong was very, very good. You know, Turnbull has shown that there's he's not phased by by whatever he comes up against and he keeps being able to make those steps. Um that for me is a is a real area of interest, I think, for for, for Scotland. You were so spot on, Ryan, with your predictions, uh, telling us that St. Johnston were going to win the, the League Cup and then the Scottish Cup, and you were spot on, of course. So we're obviously all ears for your uh, Euro 2020 predictions. I think we'll get out of the group. I definitely, I definitely think we'll get out of the group. Um, we've got a bunch, we've got players now that are, um, most most of them are playing in the Premier League, as, as Craig was saying. They're playing against world-class stars, they're training with world-class stars. So nothing should phase them. They want to go out and make a name for themselves. Scotland's now got that chance because it's the first time in 20, what was it, 20 odd plus years? 23. 23 years. So, yeah, they can make themselves legends, history makers of how far they can get in the competition. And that's that's what Callum Davison said to the St. Johnson players. Yeah. Go out and make yourself legends and history makers. So, that's what I would say to the Scotland players. Go out and make the, 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 the year that we've had Go out and make every Scotland person uh, and fan beaming, beaming, smiling, and even have the bragging rights. Because we be, I've got a few English pals, and they're like, "Ah, we're going to beat you at Wembley." <laughs> ah, well, I wouldn't be so sure on that. But <laughs> and I bet you don't uh, say it quite as politely rights. as that either. <laughs> nah, definitely not. It's it's a good old Scottish one to come out. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, good to have you in the show. Thank you very much. All See the best. Later, Ryan. Take care. Bye. 
Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. The Go Radio Football Show on a Thursday night on the back of Scotland's two-all draw with the Netherlands on the Algarve uh, last night and it's Luxembourg on Sunday and then it's down to business against the Czech Republic a week on Monday. It's uh, Rob McLean, Craig Moore, Jen Beatty uh, with us uh, tonight. 131 times capped by Scotland. And there are going to be a few more, hopefully, Jen, to add on to that total. Hopefully, yeah. We um, start our World Cup campaign in September and it's Craig, it's in Australia. Yes, so yes. That's one to hopefully aim for 100%, yeah. And you did a spell in Australia, of course, oh. with Melbourne. I did, yeah. Absolutely loved it. Um, culture, football, everything about it. It was... Um, I got lucky with it being summer league in England and then obviously playing out over the winter. So it was the perfect sort of situation off the back of my first season at Man City. So yeah, loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's amazing. And like I said, I mean, with the... with the, the Well, you are with the Australian Tourist the Board, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but... We'll, Me too. Australia will put on a great event, 2023 yeah. Women's World Cup. Um, it'll be a fantastic tournament. Um, yeah, and I, I, it wasn't until I was speaking to Jen earlier on the show, I didn't realise that she'd spent that, that period of time in Melbourne and... Melbourne City, a wonderful football club, uh, and and it's a great city. Melbourne is a great city, yeah. um, and we've got nice stadiums in Australia as well. So normally, um, you know, they're, they're, the facilities are not too bad. But like I said, there's a real interest in the Matildas uh, for the Women's World mm, Cup, which is yeah. the Australian national team, women's national team. I'd certainly love to see Scotland uh, also um, be there. Uh, and like I said, we'll put on a a big event, a good event. There'll be a lot of pressure on our girls because they're top five, top seven in the world, home tournament. There'll be a lot of pressure on them. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad, Jen, you, enjoy, you enjoyed Australia. So you dispel in Melbourne, you dispel with uh, Montpellier mm. in France uh, as well. I've, have, has playing in other countries, has that helped you? A hundred percent. It was. I, I always say it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, going abroad to France, age 22. It was actually my first full-time experience as well. At that point, I'd left Arsenal, who were still semi-pro. Mm. Um, was your brother over there? Was he playing rugby over there at the time? He was, yeah. He yeah. was playing for Montpellier men's rugby team. Ah. So that was, he'd actually just got married. So I'm pr- pretty sure he wasn't too chuffed with his little sister turning up <laughs> and, and crashing the party. But um, no, yeah, it was amazing having my brother out there. Um, and yeah, without a doubt, the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but learned the most I've probably ever done very quickly. Um, Language? Yeah, I got to, I think, a pretty good stage. Um, I was lucky enough, I'd done a little bit of school before I went out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the coach was, I had yeah, yeah. no English. All, all the sessions were completely in yeah. French, so I had to sort of, uh, yeah, I was definitely put in the deep end. I remember one of my first days, I'd been given a printout sheet of all the sort of translations of football. Football terminology. Football words, you would yeah. say, yeah. So sort yeah. of cones, bibs, all that kind of stuff. Um but yeah, living on the beach for a kid from Scotland was an unbelievable experience. It's really, really, really important though, like in terms of that experience when, yeah. you, when you go and you, you, you experience different cultures, but you go to different countries, different languages as well. That's why I asked about the language because yeah. um, when, you're, when you're not local and then you go and, and, and you pick up the language and all that, it's kind of a way of being accepted quicker. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of players, you know, come into places and even my brief experience in, in Germany. Mm. When, when you don't make that effort to try and learn the, the, the language, um, it, can, it can very much work against you. So that's what I was interested yeah, to ask. Look, you're just, you're put, you have the, I feel like as a young player, it's good to put out your comfort zone. And mm. I was well and truly out of my comfort zone. Um, but yeah, the, the Southerners in France, 
didn't really speak very good English either. So I, I, I had to learn, which I'm glad I did. Like I wouldn't want to have been the, mm-hmm. you know, the Scot that just spoke English and expected everyone else to speak English to me. So yeah, yeah and I'm glad that I learned. I've forgotten it all now. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, that's good. It is a good way to be. Um, we to settle in. Yeah, because I mean, we Scots tend to be a bit insular, don't we? And we, we do tend to stick in our comfort zone. And and quite quite a few Scots footballers that I can think of went abroad, but came back pretty quickly. Um, because they they weren't weren't willing to stick with it, and and it probably does great things for your not your personal development, obviously, um, and your football development as well. It's good to know. I look, I ended up playing in a couple of different countries. I, I only was briefly uh, six months in Germany. Potentially, it was going to be longer, but then that changed, so I didn't really learn the language. And I, and when I look back, um, I would have loved to have done uh, learned different languages. I, I think in terms of football. Um, it's a huge benefit. Uh, I would have always loved to be in a situation, you know, you're in a foreign country and, and everyone assumes you don't know the language and they're talking mm. about you. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and then you can just pop in okay. and go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so fast. Yeah, yeah. so, I've had a brief spell in Greece as well, but that was only three months in preparation for mm. the, the World Cup in, in 2010. But um, yeah, just in terms Three of, months in Greece sounds good. Uh, yeah, but the time I went wasn't good. I, pl- I played at a club... Um, that were called Kavala and it was a, a fishing village uh, about, it's an hour's flight from, from Athens, but it was it was beautiful, but not the time I was there because I was there in winter, mm. but in the summer it'd be stunning, stunning. Manchester City, Arsenal, what a career you've had. Yeah, incredible. hopefully it's Yeah, I wasn't speaking totally in the past tense, <laughs> uh, lots to come. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I think off the back of the sort of season I've had personally and not being on the pitch very much with a few other things going on, um, this season to be honest I just want to get back enjoying football mm. it's, been, it's been too long on the sidelines and uh, glad to finish third I guess with Arsenal so we're back in sort of Champions League football but we need to kick on we're, we're a, a club that you know wants trophies and as players that's, that's what we want as well so hopefully a lot more to come Do you think you'll come back even better and stronger just because of what you've been through because you know maybe appreciating what you've got a whole lot more Without a doubt, I, th- I think I appreciate football and the, the the little things in life even more now. I like I said, I just want to get back feeling fit and feeling good and and being back on the pitch with with ultimately my mates because that's that's when I'm most happy and that's when I um just I I thrive in that situation. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to the most, without a doubt. It's interesting, isn't it, Rob? That the women's game is is just the improvement that that is happening and how quickly it's happening. I mean, even you look at Chelsea going into that cup final and. All the English hype was probably maybe didn't give Barcelona the credit leading into the game. Yeah, I think uh, Barcelona had scored 128 goals throughout their season domestically, won 26 out of 26 games. The improvement in women's football is is incredible, and it's it's happening so quickly. Jen, top league in in, in the world now for women's football is where where I mean it used to back in, in in the day and all that America was huge, mm. but there's a real shift and in investment in Europe now. Yeah, I think this is always a tricky answer because for me. Barcelona, you know, like what you just said, won 26 from 26. So for me, that's not a competitive league. Yeah. You know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City and England, mm. I, I do believe that the English league is is possibly the most competitive. Yeah. Was so happy to see an English league in a Champions yeah. League final. That that for us was incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. I got managed to get there twice with Man City and didn't yeah. quite make the final. Um, and Germany is quite similar. A very, very strong top two or three. Mm-hmm. I would maybe tip the German league as the strongest and most competitive yeah, yeah, yeah. ultimately across Europe. It's, it's funny though you say that Barcelona in terms of uh, they won 26 out of 26. Yeah. 
and it's it's not competitive. And you have that even in the men's game, you know, certain certain clubs that dominate obviously in these kind of countries. Mm. But they went on and won the Champions I know, League. I know. That was that was something that we were all saying as well. You know, how can you cruise a league but also cruise a Champions League fight oh, ultimately like a four yeah. 0 like yeah. it was so dominant. Um, and that was something that we as players, you know, discussing, we're all kind of like, that is incredible. Mm. To cruise a league and win a Champions League final, it's, it's credit to them as a squad and what they've done this year, it really is. I mentioned your 131 caps a few times. Um, are you, you is, that, is that a driver for you? Do, do, do you take a lot of pride in terms of the number of times you've been captain and you'd like to take that total a good deal? You're maybe not going to catch Gemma Faye. She's got about 573, <laughs> but... Um, a lot of caps but there's quite a few around that 130 mark yeah and look, like it is, it's something that I take pride in in every single time I think it's always amazing meeting up with the girls and a, a change of scenery from you know your club environment going away with your country it's always an, they're always they're such an amazing bunch I really really do enjoy going away with the national team do I, I don't necessarily keep count um, but I take pride in every single time I get to put on that jersey for sure I'll keep going to them for you, don't worry. Um, before we go, I'm sure the Celtic fans will just want a parting shot from you, Craig, um, about our friend Ange Postecoglou. Uh, what do you reckon is happening right now? What sort of timescale are we on? Again, I, I think, look, personally, I think it would be a positive appointment if Celtic were, were lucky enough to, to land Ange Postecoglou. I think he would do a good job. Um, Why were you smiling there? No, because again, a lot of people, th- you know, who's who's this guy? What's he done? I know what he's done. Uh, and he'll, he'll, he's, he's not a household name, box office. If you want box office, you go for somebody different. But I, I think um, Celtic supporters want somebody that is going to be successful. You have to be successful. Um, there's a lot of changes that need to be made. Uh, and I expect decisions, like I said, to be days rather than weeks. Days rather than weeks. Craig, thanks very much indeed. Uh, good to see you. Good to see you as well. Um, looking so well, Jen, and uh, recovering from uh, back surgery. It's been quite a year for you. Good to have you on the show. Enjoyed your company. Uh, Scotland against uh, Luxembourg Sunday, of course. Uh, we're back tomorrow night. Paul and Mark and Barry live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five.